the rest of us can be seated. All right, so good to have you guys here today. So, um, so our church, we've been going through a series in the book of Acts that I've been calling the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Even though that uh, what's written down by Luke, who's this doctor, he's this historian, and uh, he's documenting all of these events uh, as he hears from eyewitnesses or as he himself observes. And, and we see that the early church, they're going out and doing all of these things, but they're not doing it alone or under their own strength, that they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God, or as we'll see today, even referred to as the Spirit of Jesus, working through them. And, and God is the one who's able to completely change and transform lives. He's the one who, through forgiving us, right, makes us brand new creations in Christ Jesus, that he brings this drastic transformation, uh, so much so that it's something that the believers cannot keep to themselves, that they can't help but speak of the things they've seen and heard, even when they're beaten and abused and people even try to kill them and some succeed in killing other believers, they still choose to go forth and and speak this good news about Jesus and what he's done and what he came to do and accomplish. And so one of the things we're going to look at today is is try to kind of discern uh, God's will for our lives, because uh, sometimes even uh, if you perhaps grew up as a Christian, that can sometimes be like this almost like mystical thing of like just trying to figure out like, well, yeah, but what's God's will for my life? Or like sometimes that can almost be something that can uh, bring us to a complete stalemate of, of not knowing what to do next at maybe some significant choice that we are facing. Uh, but the Bible, it, we're actually going to see in today's story, because like I said, this is just documented events that occurred to some of these early Christians. Uh, we're going to see the way God leads them, and it's not necessarily the way you would first assume. Uh, so if you want a Bible this morning, James can grab one for you. We've got some in the back that you can keep. It's our gift to you. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 16. And uh, I'll also have it up on the screen so you can follow along. Uh, but, and it's not cheating if you're using a device to, you know, to, to read the Bible here. So here we go. So Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Uh, so we're following uh, Paul, and he's got this new guy, Timothy, with him. And they're going out around and visiting the churches and trying to uh, bring the gospel, the good news, towards uh, new regions, people that have not yet heard about Jesus. And so this is uh, really cool that they're doing this. You might not yet be a follower of Jesus. You might not be convinced that that's something that you'd want to do, right? To to choose to leave where you live and just go out and tell people about who God is. But but this is something that these uh, individuals have been, like I said, so drastically changed by what God has done. And they realize that the gospel, it literally means good news, is good news worth sharing. It's good news worth bringing to other people, uh, even people that they have not yet met, uh, that this is an awesome experience. So here we go. So uh, probably uh, some locations that you're not familiar with, uh, as we'll be reading through this passage, that's okay. Don't let that uh, deter or disconnect you from this. Uh, So it says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So that's really interesting. So they were out trying to do what they felt God was leading them to do, and then the Holy Spirit of God tells them, don't, don't do that. 
at least in this region, okay? So that's kind of interesting. And uh, verse 7, it says, And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So once again, that's kind of weird, right? These, these guys, they're going around to try to plant churches, and they're, they're just going around and trying to right, let the world know the good news of the gospel, and yet God is stopping them along the way or, or redirecting their path. Uh, so I've got a, a map up here. I know maps are super engaging. You guys are going to be pumped about this, but here we go. So, so if you look at this, uh, this red arrow on the top uh, that they're traveling through Galatia there, and as they come through uh, into Asia, the Holy Spirit forbids them from preaching the gospel there. And that should perhaps confuse you, right? Like, you, like doesn't God love those people? Right? Like, doesn't God want them to be completely changed by the good news of the gospel? Like, that, that's kind of confusing to us. Uh, some of these cities down in this region here, they've already planted churches on a previous trip, and so they actually visited some of those. But then as they go into Asia, the Holy Spirit won't allow them to preach. Now, this Asia probably and should look different than the Asia that you're familiar with. Uh, this is not like Asia, kind of the continent area. This is, this is a, a small region uh, within the Mediterranean and Black Sea up there. Uh, and so God still loves these people, all right? So don't let that kind of confuse us. And, and the Holy Spirit sometimes leads us by telling us what not to do. So that's, that's definitely interesting to me that, that he does that. So they, they end up having to kind of avoid sharing Jesus in this region. And that's not a forever thing, okay? That's not something that God's like, nope, these people will never hear the gospel. That's not, in fact, the case. Because, uh, in fact, on the return trip, you'll see they'll hit Ephesus. And, in fact, uh, many of the cities in that region you might recognize some of those names uh, <coughs> if you've read some of the book of Revelation where Jesus actually tells John the Apostle to uh, write specific letters to seven churches in this region. So, so if not already in motion, at least uh, later on, this region is reached with the gospel and has thriving churches in this area, okay? Uh, not churches that are... Uh, without need of some correction from Jesus in, in some instances, all right? So, right, we're obviously same here, right? We're made up of imperfect people. We're always open to God's leading and prompting and, and hope that his word would always challenge us in the areas where we've grown perhaps complacent, uh, that we would continue to do the thing that God would call us to do. Uh, so, yeah, so here we go. They, they try to go into that area, and, and the Holy Spirit forbids them. All right, and then they try to go into Bithynia, and it says that the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them. <coughs> and so I, I don't think that when they did that, right, so Bithynia is kind of like that purplish region up there. It's not like they walked and then hit like an invisible wall in an, a video game. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what happened. All right, I think like that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus was just like, no, not there, not right now. Okay, not for you guys, not today. Uh, and they still obviously had their free will, and they had to choose to submit to God in this way, right? That the Holy Spirit, uh, even the fact that this passage describes uh, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus synonymously, uh, kind of indicating this Trinitarian uh, understanding that we have of God, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is worth obeying, even when we don't necessarily understand why 
he might be asking us to do something. All right, and uh, <coughs> this is something that as a math teacher I sometimes tell my students, they're usually not super thrilled about this, but obedience actually doesn't require understanding why. I mean, it's way easier when we know why we're doing something or why I need to, you know, when am I ever going to use this? Why do I need algebra sort of thing, right? It's easier when we're like convinced, but nonetheless, like obedience is something that we can do just at the mere trusting of what God is telling us, right? And, and God doesn't, he's not always so forth telling and giving us reasons why the answer might be no right now or why he's asking us to do something. But nonetheless, as his character has proven true to us, he's someone who's worth obeying, all right? That just like uh, as you've had perhaps, I, I always compare a relationship with God kind of like a marriage that maybe the first day you met your significant other, you didn't just be like, hey, here's my keys, here's you know, my checkbook, right? Here's everything of mine, I trust you completely. Like usually your relationship builds in trust over time. Okay, uh, And similarly with God, that God will prove himself to you over, over time. It's not a blind faith that he's asking of you. And so if my, if my wife told me, she's like, oh, there's still one more bag of groceries in the car, I'm not going to be like, I think you're lying to me. Right? Like, I don't believe you. You know, like, like after she's proven her relationship with me over time, I'm going to trust her, especially over something so minor. Okay? So, so in the case of our relationship with God, if we're going to trust him, with our entire eternity, right? Like, we can trust him when he asks us to do something right now, like with a single moment of our lives, right? We can trust him and, and obey him on the basis of his character. I think it was last week I read a verse from Romans that, that if God gave us Jesus, right? If he didn't hold back his son, like, surely he's not going to hold back everything else. Like, he's given us his best, okay? And so he's not withholding good things from us, okay? So, like, when we might not understand, we can just know, like, all right, he was willing, he loved me so much that he was willing to die for me that I could spend eternity with him, right? Like, I can trust him in these smaller, smaller things, okay? That that's worth doing. And so, uh, so this is, this is still interesting, though, nonetheless, that, that the God is telling them, nope, not there, not there, and kind of directs them, keep moving on. Keep moving on. And, and I want to point out that these guys, they're, they're trying to do the mission that Jesus gave them, right? It's not like they were out, like, you know, having a bachelor party in this region of Asia. Like, they, they weren't, like, out doing sinful things, right? The, these guys were trying to speak about Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, not there, not right now, okay? And so that's, that's a little bit confusing to us, I think. But nonetheless, uh, that's what the Holy Spirit leads them to do, and the Holy Spirit is worth obeying. And so when it comes to understanding or discerning the will of God, I want to point out, like, God doesn't usually give us uh, the next, right, five-year plan for our lives. He, he doesn't usually do that. And so even though, right, some of us might maybe come off as more confident than others, like, we don't really know what God's planning next for us, okay? Like, usually what God does, and this, once again, kind of inconvenient sometimes, he'll only tell us the next thing to do, and now it's up to us whether or not we're going to obey and taking that one next step, all right? But he's not giving us the full five-year plan. We don't always know that, 
right? And that's why even in, in uh, the book of James, he says, listen, like when you're making plans for your life, right, you just always tack on the words, Lord willing. Like you don't know. You don't know what God's plan is coming up after that. And God doesn't always show us those things. But nonetheless, right, his, his will is still good for our lives. Uh, we looked at that verse a couple of weeks ago, right, that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are, who are called according to his purpose, right? So God's working all of this stuff together for good. And, and so we can trust him even when he leads us through a season of difficulty or, or suffering. Or I mean, in Paul's case, uh, I mean, the guy was like, had rocks thrown at him until he was like, dead, so they thought, and they threw him outside the city. They thought he was just a, a corpse, right? And, and still, right, God leads him through that moment, and it's still worth it. God's still working together for good in all of that instance. So, so let's uh, look at this next verse in uh, verse 8. <coughs> so it says, so passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, uh, and a vision, verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here, you can put the map back up there if you'd, if you'd like. Um, so, so this is interesting. So so right, so far they're out kind of making their own plans. They've got their own strategy. They're like, hey, Asia hasn't heard the gospel yet. Let's go to them or, you know, let's go to Bithynia. Nope, we can't go there. They've got their own strategy and trying to like plan out what would be a good move. And the Holy Spirit's like, nope, nope. And now the Holy Spirit gives a vision to Paul. And so he sees this vision of this Macedonian. So Macedonia is that region over there. Uh, and someone crying out for help. And so I don't actually know, we don't know, whether this was a, a vision of just, right, some made-up individual, whether God was, like, Skyping this Macedonian's prayer life over to Paul real quick. Like, like was this just, like, the, the holographic, like, help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or our only hope? Like, what, we don't know exactly what's going on there. And actually, what's interesting is Paul wasn't told specifically either. All he had was this vision. And it says in verse 10, uh, if you jump back, it says that he concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel there. So, so in discerning God's will for our lives, it's this combination of what God's leading us to do, what he's leading us not to do, and then also, in this case, some of his own discernment, some of his own logic and reasoning. He's, he concluded this on his own, like, let's Let's do this. I think this is what God's telling us to do next. All right? And, and so he concluded this on his own. And they, they actually immediately sought out to go to this region. Uh, an interesting thing is uh, this is what my English teachers when I was a student would always pick on me was my pronouns and my tenses would change. Uh, and you'll notice that uh, it, sa it now says we, where earlier on in the passage it said they. And so, uh, and actually for a little while, it's going to say we as you read through Acts. So many people uh, read into this that Luke, the one who wrote Acts, has joined Paul and Timothy, perhaps in Troas, and now they're traveling together. All right, so this is kind of like an interesting thing where Luke is now a part of the story and writing rather than just what he's heard from eyewitnesses, he is now an eyewitness and he's writing this down 
uh, from his own experience. So, so that's just kind of like an interesting little thing like that, I mean, for years I just read and went right past that and wouldn't pick up on it. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, they conclude of their own logic that God called them to preach the gospel to Macedonia. All right, so, so what's interesting here is that the Spirit is now leading them to do something. And that's one of the ways that we'd expect the Holy Spirit to work. And not just then, but still so today, because we live in the same time period. We live in the same era, if you will, where this is post-Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, where the church has you know, begun, that Jesus has begun this work of the church. He's the one who's faithful to build his church, and that the Holy Spirit's been poured out and is working in us, and we still have the same mission now as they had then, right? So we're expecting the Holy Spirit to work in much the same way way, okay? And not that necessarily like the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you like, all right, you go to the grocery store, buy this bread, you know, wear this shirt tomorrow, right? Like, it's not necessarily going to be like that. A lot of it still is going to be in combination of us trying to live out and apply God's general instruction uh, because we might not always have his specific instruction for our lives. Like, you're not going to find a Bible verse that says, right, Brian Waddy will move to Wilmington this year, right? Like, that's not in the Bible, right? And, and even like my own life, I moved to Wilmington to get a math teaching job with my family, right? Like I didn't know that this was all going to like work out in this direction, but we just make little steps as best we can, obeying God's general word and instruction. And then when he gives us specifics, hopefully, right, we do our best to obey in those moments as well. And so these, these men, these men are called to preach the gospel to a different region. And so it says in verse 11, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. And so uh, in this region, now it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit led them to do all of those things. They were just like, okay, so we're going to Macedonia. Let's, maybe let's just go to the biggest city in Macedonia we can find, right? Like, let's just go here. Like, we're, we're, we'll find people. We'll start our work in this location. And so that's what they're once again making decisions off of their own strategy and trying to live out what God's plan is. Uh, and so verse 13, it says, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. And so once again, we see God's will being orchestrated through both his leading of the Holy Spirit and their own consideration, their own logic, uh, as well as now their own supposition. They're like, hey, maybe some people meet on the Sabbath by the river. Like, let's go see if they meet there to pray. Like maybe they were familiar with either uh, Jewish customs in other cities, or maybe they were just familiar that this was just a part of the culture of the city after having been there for part of the week. They're like, I, I think this is where we might be able to find some people where we can start up a conversation. All right, and so they are already pursuing to, to share the gospel, and they're making their own plans and strategies in unison with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them along the way. And, and that's the same sort of thing that we see in uh, Ephesians 2, where, where Paul writes that we are saved, that we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, and that we simply walk out the good works that God has foreordained us to walk in. We just, like, he's already thought all of this out, 
and sometimes he gives us some, some clarity and some signals along the way, right? And, but when we're living our lives, we're just walking out the plan that God already has for us. That's, that's what he's called us to do. And so, so here they go, they, right? They assume like, hey, let's go talk to these people, these people that have come together, let's go tell them about Jesus. And so when it comes to the Bible's general instruction and the Holy Spirit's specific instruction, I just want to take a sidebar to Mark 16 real quick. So you can see like they weren't uh, just kind of, you know, going out on their own, coming up with their own plan uh, completely apart from what God has already spoken in his word. Okay, so perhaps you've seen or been familiar with this passage before. It says, uh, Jesus, this is before he ascends, after he's already resurrected. It says, and he, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then in verse 20, what's cool is it summarizes, uh, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And so what we see here is the Bible's already given us general instruction. All right, like where's our target? The, The whole world. Like, what is our mission? Like, tell them about Jesus, all right? Tell them about the salvation that God offers, that he's foretold for thousands of years, that Jesus came, he's fulfilled the law, right? That he is the Messiah that has come and offered salvation and invites all people into relationship with him through repentance. So, like, we already have this general instruction. So, regardless of whether or not the Holy Spirit tells you, all right, I guess I got to go to Macedonia, like, no, 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 regardless of whether or not you've had that, we do have the general commands of Jesus and the Scripture, okay? And one of the cool things that, that it says in Mark at the end there is that, that God is working with us, all right? That He's not sending us out to, uh, to fail, right? That God's not sending us out that we would uh, be unsuccessful in this mission, that he's working with us, all right? We're not alone in this, right? He did not abandon us as orphans when he ascended, right? That he sent his Holy Spirit, his presence, the Spirit of Jesus is working in the church. And so we're not by ourselves, and right? So that the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So we're expecting that the Holy Spirit's going to show up, that the Holy Spirit's going to orchestrate moments like this where, right, you just see someone, you're like, I think I can, I'm, I'm going to go talk to them. And that it's God already working with us, all right? And I know sometimes, like, we are afraid. We're, we're like, well, what if I do it wrong? Or what if I don't communicate effectively? What if, I, you know, what if I fumble in my words? And, like, we're more worried about messing up. And even if, right, even if we misspeak or even if they ask a question and we can't answer it in that moment, that's okay, right? It's more important that we're taking these steps and then like demonstrating humility when we're like, actually, that is a good question. Let me, let me get back to you, right? Like that, that we're willing to walk out and try to obey Jesus as he is leading us to, all right? But nonetheless, sometimes God gives us specifics. And it's probably, I don't know, it's probably good. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, uh, that we don't have specifics all the time because maybe then it be a little scarier for us or more tempting to like be like I don't know God like I was I was a little bit safer when it was vague and you didn't tell me exactly what I was supposed to do so then I can kind of hide in that vagueness and it's not looking like disobedience in my heart because if God specifically was telling you go do this do that do that like you know my sin would probably be a little bit more exposed <laughs> as a result but I mean fortunately God's grace is there and we should 
admit to him when it's like, God, you know, I don't think I'm doing that that well. You know, like, I don't know if I'm, you know, we can fall into our own complacency or living our own lives or just so focused on ourselves and us and not be thinking about, right, going into the world and telling people about Jesus. And so uh, back in Acts 16, verse 14, it says this. So they go and share They spoke with these people that are down by the river, and it says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God, all right? And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And so this is really cool. Uh, This woman is originally from Thyatira, which is in the region that the Holy Spirit told them not to go yet, okay? And so we don't necessarily have all of the details as to whether or not she, like, funds their mission to go back to that region later. Uh, We don't know necessarily, like, what happened there, but nonetheless, God brought them to someone who was of, uh, had financial resources. She's a seller of purple goods. That's, like, the most expensive type of fabric in this time. And so she's, she's equipped with resources, and she would have a heart for her hometown. Uh, maybe she even just gave them some insight on the culture of her community, that when they later do travel or send missionaries to that region, that they would have greater insight, right? Be more effective at reaching that place. Or she might be this relational network to connect to that community that they're actually not going to just, right, hit a wall with every conversation they try to start. But someone's like, you know, Lydia might be able to like, hey, come listen to these guys. These, these guys know what they're talking about, right? So rather than trying to build like a five-year relationship with people in Thyatira, Lydia might be able to just like, right, shortcut that real quick. Okay, so this is just this cool moment that the Holy Spirit coordinates. Uh, And so in terms of Lydia, it says that she was a worshiper of God, but yet God doesn't just leave her at that point, okay? So this is kind of interesting. It says that, that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said. Verse 15, and after she was baptized, her and her household as well, it says she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us, or she persuaded us. Okay, so, so there's this distinction between the idea of Lydia as a worshiper of God and Lydia now as a follower of Jesus, right? She's baptized. She's made this confession of, of following and trusting in Jesus, right? And she says, right, even, right, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, that she herself makes that distinction, going from the status of being someone who worships God to being someone who, right, obeys the Lord, someone who is following and being faithful to the Lord. And, and so I want to make this distinction as well. The, the, the book of James talks about this, that, that there are those who believe in God, but the Bible actually says, this is a little bit harsh words here, so prepare yourselves. He says that, right, even the demons believe and tremble. He's making this distinction that, like, if you are merely someone who believes in God's existence but are not faithful to him, if you're not in relationship with Jesus, if you haven't trusted the means to salvation that God has provided, that there still is this distinction between someone who, like, maybe believes in, right, a creator out there or you enjoy nature and just, like, think, like, maybe I can get close to God somehow that way through these vague attempts, it's different than knowing God 
through Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, that, that God's glory was perfectly revealed in Jesus and his life on the earth, right? That there's this difference between those things. It's a difference between uh, my believing my wife exists and then believing my wife and having a relationship with her, all right? So it's a difference between knowing that someone exists like God and actually knowing him personally, all right? So, so Lydia herself identifies this difference, and, and I want to point out that this is significant, so significant that it was worth Paul and Timothy and the rest traveling to Macedonia to make this distinction for Lydia, all right? That God was someone who loved Lydia. Lydia worshiped God, but maybe in some unknown way that she wasn't fully understanding, Okay, but God loved her enough that he's like, listen, I'm going to send people to her that she can know exactly who I am, right? That she can experience the salvation that I offer, all right? God thought she was worth it. So her, her pursuits were not in vain. And we've actually seen similar things like this in uh, Acts chapter 10 with uh, the first uh, Greek, the centurion who was saved. Uh, what was his name? Cornelius, I think. Um, in which he was someone who would, right, offer alms and prayers and give to the poor and all, all these different things. And God, right, paid attention to that. It said that even all of his prayers were this memorial to God. Uh, but nonetheless, God sends Peter to send, right, to share the gospel, to share Jesus with Cornelius. All right, so like our attempts to seek God are then met with hearing about God's finding us, right? God's pursuing and saving us. And so in this moment, right, uh, so she's baptized, she trusts in Jesus, her family trusts in Jesus, and then she persuades them to stay at, right, her house, that, that, that she prevailed upon us, that she persuaded them. And so even here we see that God's leading, God's will for Paul and Luke, and I think Barnabas was with, with the group at this point, uh, God's will for their lives, we've seen a variety of ways in which he's communicated that, right? We've seen them obeying his general will. We've seen the Spirit telling them not to do something or forbidding them to go somewhere. We've seen a vision being given. We've seen Paul using his own logic and reasoning at that vision to be like, I think this is what God wants us to do. And now they're being persuaded by someone else completely. All right, but this is still part of God's plan for their lives that just because it wasn't like your idea doesn't necessarily mean that it's a God idea, all right? That, that, that this is something where they were like, okay, I guess like we'll use Lydia's house as our home base uh, for ministry and reaching this city, right? This is where we'll have our Bible studies. This is where we'll be sent out from. Like she probably was like, hey, I want to provide for your guys' needs so you can continue this mission, all right? And so we see such a variety of ways that God works in communicating his will in this instance. All right, so I, I hope that what this does is at least demystifies the will of God for us, right? That we're not only going to respond when God flat out gives us a voice and a vision from heaven, uh, that we're not only going to be trying to obey God when we have a moment like that. Because God wants us to act long before we have a moment like that. That God wants us to be pursuing opportunities to obey him long before he gives us those types of specific instruction. All right, that, that this is what God would call us to do. Uh, because I know like otherwise it's easy for us to slip back into just being focused 
on ourselves, myself included, okay? Uh, that, right, instead of being seeking and looking for opportunities to share Jesus with others, all right? So don't only step out when you've received the vision, all right? Seek ways to obey God and his general commands that are in the Bible, right? Sometimes even, like, people can get this mentality of, like, uh, you know, the prophetic gift, like, oh, maybe if someone, like, tells me, God told me this to tell you, or, like, I need, God, I need them to say, you know, God, I wish God would share a word with me one way or another, or would send an angel, or would, right, like, God's given us so much instruction in the Bible already, right, like, that's where you can find so much of God's will for your life. It's, like, black and white laid out there. It's, it's like, flat out, just available to us. It's in your hand. It's in your pocket on your cell phone, right? It's, it's available to us. So don't somehow value a specific instruction from God over the general instruction that he's already given us, all right? That he's already made himself known and abundantly clear in his word in so many areas, right? That we should, right, just fall in love with what he's given us already. Uh, so don't... Uh, exclude the Bible and say like, well, I'll just wait until God reveals something to me. Or don't overvalue a spiritual or supernatural experience, okay? Because even uh, in Acts 15, I know I keep jumping back to old things, but uh, when they were talking about the Gentiles being saved, right, Peter talked about the experience they had of, of having the Holy Spirit poured out on them in much the same way that it happened for the Jews, all right, Paul shared the same sort of thing, saying, right, as they planted churches, they saw the Holy Spirit working in those churches the same way that he did among the Jews, that there was this supernatural experience that they pointed back to, but they didn't settle the matter based on some supernatural experience. It wasn't until James spoke up and spoke from the Word of God validating their supernatural experience. Okay, and it was then that the church moved forward with a decision like, okay, like this is clearly God's will, right? We've seen these experiences and it's in line with what he already said was going to be happening. All right, so, so that's the sort of thing and that's one of the reasons why we value, right, God's word for our lives. There's so much God will reveal about himself in the living word that he's given us. And in terms of, right, Paul and Luke and these others that have been pursuing sharing the gospel with other people, right? Like I said, so rarely do I find my heart naturally falling in that place, all right? That it requires us to remind ourselves to, to even in church stir each other up towards good works, the Bible tells us to do. Uh, but this is the way the Bible described Jesus, the last verse we'll look at today, Luke nineteen ten, And it says this, that for the Son of Man, that's one of the ways Jesus referred to himself, which is uh, referring to, I think it's Daniel chapter 9 or 12, it's in there, I think it's mentioned multiple times. Jesus is claiming to be God when he makes this claim, by the way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All right, that when we think about the mission for which Jesus was sent, that's the same mission that he's given us as we remain here on the earth, is to seek and to save the lost. And I think so often in my own heart, my own life, my own priorities that I have in my agenda, that's not always the case, that I'm looking to seek and to save the lost. But that's what Jesus made as his priority. All right, so regardless of whether or not we've got that vision from an angel or whatever it may be, this is our default. This is our default mission that we have, 
to seek opportunities, to save those who are lost, to, to express the good news of forgiveness, right, to those who are currently enslaved to sin, right? This is, this is the message that we have, and it's not a message that we can uh, burden Paul with or Luke with because they have already completed their mission. They're not here anymore. This is something that we and the other Christians in our region are responsible for, that we would be looking to seek and to save the lost. So let's pray before we go into our last uh, worship song. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word uh, that, Lord, you've made yourself known. You've communicated your heart of love for us uh, in your word and in, in the life of Jesus on this earth. I thank you for the faithfulness of believers to have gone out and proclaim this good news, that, that each of us benefits from the work that they were willing to obey you in. Uh, that, Lord, I pray that you would remind us uh, that we have the same calling, that, Lord, that there are people out there that are in times of desperation, times of suffering, uh, people that are pursuing you but don't yet have a clear picture of who you are, that you've given us this good news, this message that we can bring to them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would equip us as your church, uh, that we would be able to do every good work that you've called us to, uh, that, Lord, we would not become complacent, that we wouldn't be in a place of stagnation as a result of not maybe getting the specific instructions that even though we'd crave, Lord God, I, I pray that you would stir us up, that we would seek to save the lost uh, that we as your church would bring joy to you as we live out faithful lives unto you, our Lord. And uh, Lord, if your gospel is first being heard by someone in here today, uh, that they've never heard this good news that you offer, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would open their hearts as only you can, uh, that they would experience joy and salvation this day as they turn from living their lives their own way as they turn from sin and trust in you for forgiveness and freedom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.